When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. Let's dig into Kenny Pickett, quarterbacks in general, this upcoming class of draftable quarterbacks. So I am in Indianapolis sitting here in my hotel room and during the course of the week doing uh, radio for Steelers.com, Steelers Nation Radio. We are very fortunate that we get to sit down with a bunch of guests and we'll just grab them. And a lot of people are recurring guests that just know they're coming on every year. And one of those is Greg Cosell. And if you're not familiar with Greg Cosell, shame on you for six weeks, first of all. First of all, he's he's been in NFL films for 43 years. My buddy Ross Tucker calls him the best civilian tape watcher of all time. And I 100% agree. I mean, he, he's been doing the NFL matchup show since its inception. All he does is watch tape. And sure, he talks to people in the league and he's connected. But he watches tape and that's his opinion. He's not a big media guy or a big, uh, you know, social media guy, things of that nature. So every year we sit down with Greg and first question was, where are you at on Kenny Pickett? And he basically said, I'm in, you know, I mean, it's not coincidentally, I guess coincidentally, last year at this time when we sat down with Greg, his number one quarterback was Pickett. His number one receiver was Pickens. <laughs> and that looks pretty good right now, just based off tape study. So he, he thought the day the Steelers, the day the draft ended, the Steelers got the best receiver in the draft, best quarterback in the draft. So I asked him, hey, a year later, where are you at on Kenny Pickett? And he said, paraphrasing, of course, I don't have a lot of worries. You know, he's going to be a good player. Is he going to be Joe Burrow? And actually, it's weird to have mentioned Joe Burrow. He brought up Joe Burrow unprovoked and said he would be wise to pattern his game in that manner. And that's something we've all kind of thought for a while. That's a very high ceiling. Burrow's an elite player. But stylistically, we're talking here. So he basically said, yeah, I'm in on Pickett. His arm was even a little better at the NFL level than I thought. Something I've been telling you, he looks a little twitchier, a little faster than he did at Pitt as well. Um, one of his criticisms, which I think is very warranted, is Kenny is too quick to get out of the pocket and make plays and improvise. Rookie rookie mistake, obviously, or rookie correctable thing and very common. I mentioned to Greg intently so the two spots of the field where Kenny really struggles and the accuracy numbers absolutely reflect it, which are very common for young quarterbacks and always deciphers the best in the leagues from the average quarterbacks, even the veterans, are that 10 to 20 range, 10 yards downfield to 20 yards downfield and the red zone. And he shook his head, you know, didn't say anything, he shook his head and he said, yeah, but the scheme hasn't really helped him in that 10 to 20 range with the 
bit of a smirk, and we all kind of looked and like, no, it hasn't. You know, not a lot of in-breaking routes, not a lot of attacking the middle of the field. Coincidentally, we had Cynthia Freeland on, analytics guru from NFL.com. She's phenomenal. And unprovoked, she said they really need to use more play action, which often affects the middle of the field. Take those linebackers, they take a step forward, throw it over their heads, crossing routes, in-breaking routes. How many times have I told you guys more in-breaking routes? You don't need to lead the league and go routes. So maybe those things are coming. I mean, Greg also said, now coach Canada and quarterback have a full offseason to work together. They now know each other. I use the comparison too. hey, in the second half of the season, they poured some concrete in, on a foundation of the offense. There's more to build off of now than there was at the start of the season. There's a run game. You know who the foundational pieces are. Everyone's a year older, including Pickett and Pickens. So I thought that was all very encouraging. So I urge you, you could probably find that interview on Steelers.com or on my Twitter timeline at Williamson NFL. It's all available. It was very good. So anytime you can hear Greg talk, it's phenomenal. And we talked mostly Steelers, but went around the league a little bit as well. And I can't remember if it was on the interview or when the mics were, when we were at break, but I asked Greg, I said, would you rather have Kenny Pickett or your choice of quarterbacks in this upcoming draft? And without hesitation, he said, Pickett. And now we both conceded that it's a major factor in that decision is I have a whole NFL season to judge him off of where the other guys don't, you know, like. If you gave me a, a full year of C.J. Stroud or Levis or whoever, maybe my thoughts would change. But I don't have that advantage, so I have more assets with Kenny. But he very much believes he's going to be a very good player. And, and oh, back to Cynthia real quick, too. We, uh, I think the first question is, where are you at on Kenny Pickett? And she said, well, you got to prepare to pay him because he's your long-term quarterback. You know, So two very different, prominent people that I really respect. One's a big time tape watcher. One's a big time analytics person are all in on Pickett. And I found it interesting that Greg thought, yeah, I would take Pickett over any of these guys in this upcoming class. And I would as well. So I also want to spend the second half of this podcast just giving my thumbnails on those top five guys. I'm starting to put my top fives together um, and I have concerns about all of them. So I'll be back here in a minute. All right, counting these down quickly, five to one. And I am interested to watch them throw, and we don't have heights and weights on the quarterbacks yet. But Herndon Hooker from Tennessee, he has two huge strikes against him. I mean, he turned 25 years old in January. He tore his ACL in November. So I think Daniel Jones, who's coming up for his first contract, is older than Herndon Hooker. But he had a phenomenal year. He has a really good head for the game, gets better every year. Fantastic downfield thrower. Weird offense in Tennessee. But if I'm a team like Detroit or Seattle that has Geno, I'm assuming they'll lock him up, or Goff, as well as multiple first-round picks. I'm not implying Hooker's a first-round pick. He isn't. He'll go on day two. But I want to sit this guy. You know, I can redshirt him. He's going to need the redshirt. But the problem is he's going to be 26 whenever he finally gets his true rookie season, you know. Doesn't bother me as much at quarterback as other positions. They can play much longer into life. 
But I think Hooker is a really interesting, intriguing player. And <laughs> strangely, with his age and injury, I might have fewer questions about Hooker than these other guys. Now, these top four, I'm not set in stone at all about the order. And I think they're all going to go really, really high. The more I watch this draft class, top to bottom, I'm not impressed with elite prospects, which I think quarterbacks will get driven up even more. We know they get driven up anyway. I have Anthony Richardson from Florida at number four. And there's times where he's just hard to watch. I mean, his accuracy is all over the place. I mean, he'll miss open receivers by 15 yards. But I think it's interesting that guys like Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, who came into the league with massive accuracy issues, have cleaned them up greatly. And I think a huge reason for that is all these quarterback gurus, the Jordan Palmers of the world, you know, biometrics and all these things that they didn't have back in the day. Like when I was a scout, they told you quarterbacks don't get more accurate in the NFL, Williamson. You know, now they do. So that's promising for him. And he is so special athletically and playmaking wise. He can probably survive a year or two, much like Hertz and Allen did with his physical skill set, if things are right around him, assuming he has the work ethic to go to one of these quarterback gurus and, and work on his craft. So that's what teams need to find out. Will Levis is my hardest evaluation of this group because big, strong, impressive, rare arm strength, bad footwork, a lot of bad tape. But unlike these other guys, like we'll get to Stroud and Young in a minute, their life is so easy at Ohio State in Alabama compared to Levis's at Kentucky. I mean, he always is playing, more often than not, playing with less talent around him than his opponent. So I remember like when Jay Cutler came out of Vanderbilt and they lost like every game and people would kill him. Boy, he puts the ball in harm's way too much. Well, they're losing by 20. He's trying to make a play. You know, like should he just throw it in the dirt, throw it in the seats? Or try to at least bring his team back, even if it means putting bad tape and, quote, bad decisions on tape. So he did not ha not have a great year, but he had a lot of injuries and a lot of those things. I think he's maybe the biggest wild card, and I can see why teams love him. I can see why teams are like, I'm not interested. C.J. Shroud, incredibly accurate. And I like telling this story because my son's 16. He's... Watched football with me his whole life. He knows more than I did as a 16-year-old, which is saying a lot. For some reason, he's an Ohio State fan. And I remember when Justin Fields got drafted very recently, and he asked me even again the other day. He's like, have my Buckeyes ever had a good NFL quarterback? No. The answer is no. Now, that's a little fluky, and Fields might break that mold. Stroud might break that mold. You can't scout the helmet. But Stroud has had it so easy by top draft standards. He's thrown to Alave, Wilson, Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison's kid. And then there's another one there that's supposed to be a first-round pick too. So he's thrown to five first-round picks with the best protection in the Big Ten. And unlike Young, because Young has these same concerns to me at Bama, the SEC defenders are a lot more athletic than the Big Ten defenders. So how many difficult challenges does Stroud have throughout the course of the year? And a lot of people complained Boy, he doesn't use his feet much. And I think he wanted to show the world he is a pocket passer, and that's absolutely what he is. But against Georgia, when they were overmatched, he ran a lot, and he ran smart, and he ran well. He's highly accurate, but I can't help scout the helmet here a little bit. Is there a reason in the history of Ohio State Buckeye football, which is tremendous, that the NFL's really never got a good quarterback out of it? I have a hard time overlooking that. 
Bryce Young, he's a big-time playmaker. He's sees the field incredibly well. He's super twitchy. You can't ignore the size. I, I don't know his height and weight at this moment, but they're going to be small. Now, does he struggle to see the field because of that? Sometimes, but he's so twitchy and athletic, he can improvise with his feet to find throwing lanes. My concern with him is, from the size perspective, is Tua, Kyler, Lamar. I'm sure there's more examples. They just don't hold up anymore. I mean, can he play 17 games year after year? And I get that everyone gets hurt. But like Kyler Murray, every year of his career, second half of the year is not nearly as good as the first half of the year. That's happened to Lamar the last couple of years. Tua can't stay on the field going back to Bama. These are all small people in a big man's game. Again, it's not a week-to-week thing. He's too small to play the game. I think he's too little, and he's not even like nearly as thick or powerful as Kyler Murray to hold up. You know, I mean, you're going to take a beating. You're going to play 20 games a year, including some preseason and some postseason where you're used to playing 12 at Bama or whatever it is. I mean, it's almost double the workload with much bigger, tougher, faster people smashing in on you. So I have my doubts just about durability, long-term, you know, ability to stay on the field for young. But these are all subject to change. I have a lot more quarterback homework to do. As you guys know, I'm mostly Steeler-centric, and they're not in the quarterback market, so I haven't put a ton of time into these guys. But I thought it was timely when you compare them to where Kenny is right now. So over and out. We'll see you.